How's it going today, guys? Once again, Thomas Pillen coming to y'all live for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is January 10th, 2019, and I am joined by none other than my Eagles fan, Justin Hour. Justin, say what's up to the people. What's going on, everybody? We're ready to give y'all another good podcast. And last year, I brought Justin on after the Falcons lost to the Eagles. That was our little deal, and the Eagles caught fire and won the Super Bowl. So I'm hoping to bring the Eagles a little bit of magic again so they can knock off the Saints this week. The last thing I want to see is the Saints come into Atlanta and beat us. I mean, that would just that honestly would just make me want to cry watching that happen. So Justin and I are excited. We got lots of good stuff coming for y'all. First thing we got to start out, though, with is the college football Final Four and our takeaways from the national championship game. I mean, Justin, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? My biggest takeaway was um, Notre Dame should get in a conference because they wouldn't win the ACC. Um, you know, I think Georgia, if they had gotten in, they wouldn't have won. Clemson was clearly the better team. Everybody, um, you know, makes a big fuss about an eight-game, an eight-team playoff, and I think they really did get it right as far as the teams that should have been in there. Um, you know, I think Clemson was definitely the best team in the country by far. Um, you know, you you see how Alabama, you know, showed out. They they, they got exposed, in my opinion, um, even though they played, you know, so great, you know, throughout the the, the season. They're they're looking at. I think Clemson now is more of the complete team than Alabama is. Uh, I agree with you completely on that one. I also think Notre Dame should go to a conference. I hate these independents and stuff like that. I just think it's stupid. Like even Navy was quit being independent and they went and joined the. AAC. So, I mean, I, th- I agree with you on that part, too. I think Clemson was clearly the best team. I think Trevor Lawrence is by far the best quarterback I've seen in college football my entire time watching college football. Look, Tim Tebow was the most dominant quarterback I saw, but in relations of translating the NFL, I think Trevor Lawrence is by far the best. I've even heard multiple like NFL team GMs say that Trevor Lawrence, they would take him number one overall in this draft if he was able to come out as of right now. In this game, he absolutely dominated. He threw for over 300 yards, three touchdowns. There was nothing he couldn't do in this game. I also think, I know you're a big dominate in the trenches kind of guy. Clemson's defensive line absolutely dominated Alabama's, as did their offensive line. Clemson did everything they wanted to and more. Um, crazy stat here for you. Dabo has finished with a higher or the same pre-ranking that he started the season out with, which is crazy to think is Clemson pretty much starts in the top four every single year. Uh, I also thought... Nick Saban kind of lost focus with this team. I mean, if you look at it, Citadel, I mean, that's a team that Alabama kind of took lightly. I mean, yeah, it is Citadel when you're Alabama, but they let Citadel, I think it's still, were they up on them on the half? It was super close. Yeah, it It was was like tied or something. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're Alabama, you can't have Citadel playing with you at the half. Then we saw them against Georgia. I feel like they kind of took Georgia too lightly. They had Tua go down, then they changed over quarterbacks. They came back and won the game. I mean, Oklahoma, it felt like they got up big, and then they just kind of coasted, and they had plays like, for example, defensive tackles taking their helmets off after sacking Kyler Murray, just stupid boneheaded penalties you saw Saban freaking out about. I mean, they even had six penalties for 60 yards in this game. Clemson only had one penalty, so I think Dabo outcoached Saban in this game, and I think Saban kind of lost focus a little bit with his team. They just bought in the hype where Alabama were so much better than everybody. We're going to go out on the field and win. Absolutely, I agree with that. Um, You saw Trevor Lawrence standing in there, you know, dancing all, all night mm-hmm. um, and also I think Tua got exposed a little bit too you know he was wounded he was a wounded baby deer and they they got after him um, which I totally totally agree with um, you know their defensive line is is totally dominant and you you see how when you can dominate that a and b gap with your one and two techniques 
your D linemen, if you can push everything outward, which they did, and made Tua kind of get outside the pocket and scramble around, he couldn't. His ankle couldn't hold yeah. up. He couldn't make the throws. Everything was off balance. You know, they were able to disguise a, um, a good bit of their coverages. You know, they had that pick six early mm-hmm. that he got burned on. That was a, a zone defense, and he was thinking man, and the guys, you know, rubbed off and caught the ball and took it, took it to the house. So. You definitely see, you know, the humility in Tua, you know, and and really too, I'll be interested to see, you know, when when will Trevor Lawrence have that moment? You know what I mean? Because this time last year, Tua, you know, was the you know number one quarterback in the mm-hmm. draft. So everybody has their humbling days. It's it's the it's the guys that can put more of those days with the W, you know, than than L's are the ones that are great. So I think it's a little premature for those GMs to be so high on Lawrence. Obviously, the kid is physically um, gifted. I mean, he's got that big frame. He can move, make some serious, serious throws. But it's the NFL, and his eyes his eyes aren't ready for that. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, he should have the, you know, the – the say and what he does for his career. I think it's BS that you can play basketball and leave in a year and not the same for the NFL. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Those are the rules. Um, I think he'll be a first-rounder regardless when he goes. So I think the more experience, the better. Um, but he he wouldn't be a, a first-rounder. You know, he, he wouldn't be the first pick for me just off the base of body of work. Yeah, you see like Trubisky who has, you know, one year, but he was also, you know, in the system for a few years, played yeah. played his time. So I totally understand like, you know, taking less snaps maybe and proving it, but he's a true freshman. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean, I would I would still take him number one overall, but I probably wouldn't throw him into action like that first year. I'd kind of do like a Patty Mahomes thing where you draft and stash him for a year. Because, I mean, I agree with you that a true freshman, he's not quite ready. I think, though, at the same time, we have a little bit bigger body of work than we did with Tua. Tua, we really just saw him in blowout games in the national championship game. To me, Trevor Lawrence, after that bye week, he played Wake Forest, NC State, FSU, Louisville, Boston College, Duke, South Carolina, and Pittsburgh, and he put numbers up on every single one of them. I felt like week to week, every single time I watched him, he got better and better as decision maker. I mean, even in that Syracuse game where he started, I think, I don't remember if he started against Georgia Tech or not, but in that Syracuse game when he got hurt, you saw him get smarter with running the ball and stuff. To me, Trevor Lawrence, like I said on my last podcast, reminds me a lot of Aaron Rodgers. He's mobile, but he doesn't run. He's not a runner, you know what I mean? Like he uses his legs to get outside of the pocket and throw downfield and stuff. I think he get, looks a lot smarter. And realistically, he played probably his best game against the two most NFL-like defenses he'd see in Notre Dame and Alabama. Both those two defenses, pretty much everybody was rated top five for this upcoming NFL draft or will be top five, all five stars. So I think the sky's the limit for Trevor Lawrence. Like you said, though, we'll really find out most about Trevor Lawrence on days where he's battle-tested the most. To say that in the next three years he won't lose another game I think is foolish. I think we'll definitely see Trevor Lawrence lose a game or two, and that's really when we'll learn the most about Trevor Lawrence like we have against Tua, if anything. I mean, people are already picking Clemson to win the national championship by a landslide again next year. I don't think that's the case at all. I think Nick Saban and Tua and all of them will have a chip on their shoulder, and I think this just builds more and more for them next season. I mean, I agree, though, with you completely that Tua looked injured in this game. I felt like that he was going to ball out just because he had that chip on his shoulder from not getting the Heisman Trophy and everything, but I think he was a little more beat up than we thought he was, so... I definitely think it's going to be fun to watch Clemson versus Alabama again next year. I personally think they'll play each other in the championship again next year. Obviously, it's a little tough to predict, but at the same time, college football, typically we see these two teams in the Final Four. So 
I think we'll see them both meet once again. Anything else you want to say about this before we move to the NFL? I just think it's exciting that we get to see so many of these great teams with such young personnel. Mm-hmm. Like the quality of football is only going to increase, I think. I think next year is going to be an awesome year just for college football in general, just because everybody is so many people are returning Georgia, Alabama, and yeah. Clemson, super, super young teams. So um, we'll definitely get to see, you know, who who's really creating the powerhouse they they all talk about you know and and really you get to see too when in these type of years who who are the best coaches are um you know obviously Saban has proven you know what he's done but mm-hmm. look at Dabo somebody who you know doesn't nearly have the 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 lineage that Saban has and has been able to to create something special in, in Death Valley and and look at the celebration too after that game you know they're giving them wet willies yeah. you know they're they're partying and I think that's something that's very attractive too and you can kind of see the correlation not only in the NCAA but also in the NFL with these younger coaches mm-hmm. they're starting to cater more toward the player because the player you know slowly but surely is gaining leverage in 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 all you know avenues. yeah and they respond better to and it they respond better to it but also you know you know the my way or the highway kind of you know Nick Saban you know tunnel vision type scheme mm-hmm. is i think on the outer phase you know what i mean it works at Alabama but there's very few coaches that can that can keep the locker room um like Saban can and i think the way that Dabo's done it is not so much you know order and discipline but a, a family type brotherhood type um, you know where they all have each other's mm-hmm. back and and it's more catered towards you know the individual not so much you know the brand if you if you will yeah Saban's one of the few that can afford to do that just because he gets all five stars so like he's right. like oh you don't like it like I'll but, replace but at you the, the same, same time that's exactly why he wasn't a success in the NFL mm-hmm. because he's dealing with grown grown men yeah and they're and not gonna have that no, they're not yeah having they're not having that at all and on top of what you said I mean there's so much young talent returning like Justin Ross is one of the stars of this game with that 70 40 yeah I mean he's true freshman so we'll get to watch him and Lawrence both go to the NFL together. That's going to be fun to watch. I mean, just both these teams stacked up and down with tons of young talent that will be coming back next year. Also, the other crazy thing is Dabo was rated a D-minus coaching hire when he was hired. Everyone said he was only a recruiter and not much of a coach. I think he's definitely squashed all that. So Dabo kind of kept saying that like he put Clemson on the map and had a chip on his shoulder. At the same time, he'd be like, oh, Dabo, you're getting all these five stars. But at the same time, like he wasn't supposed to be this coach that he was. And I mean, Clemson was a good program, but they weren't like a powerhouse like they are now. Look at Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy, mm-hmm. two guys that just got lucky by Andy Reid. Peterson was, was a high school coach, and Matt Nagy was selling real estate. Yeah. And, and, and you know. Now, now they're NFL head coaches in the playoffs. Peterson already has a Super Bowl ring, you know. In in some ways, he's already surpassed Andy Reid, you know, because mm-hmm. he did get a ring. So, you know, I think all that all that rating and stuff is kind of peanuts anyway. Yeah, um, it all has to do with how it correlates on the field. I agree. It all ha- it's all results based, no matter what. Let's move here to NFL. I'll be giving my uh, NFL picks for each game at the end of each segment for each game as well. 4-0 last week, so look to uh, keep that rolling on. So the first game we'll start with here is Cowboys at Rams. Spread currently is Rams minus 7.5. Looking into this game, I think that the Rams have already played their best football early in the season. I think they're a little banged up. I think they wasted a lot of their money on these star players like Indomitian Sue, Aaron Donald, 
their corners with Talib and Peters. I mean, their offense, Todd Gurley, uh, Brandon Cooks. I think they wasted too much of their money on guys like that, and they didn't have money to, and they didn't build a deep enough team, if you know what I mean. So injuries affect them a lot more. I also think they're a little weak at the linebacker position. Dallas is fifth in the league against the run. The Rams are 23rd against the run. I look for the Rams to or the Rams to have the ball run on them a lot with Ezekiel Elliott early and often. But at the same time, I look for Jared Goff to throw the ball a lot on Dallas. Dallas, we all know, is one of the best defenses in the NFL. They're pretty much top five in every single category. I think it's going to be a lot more low-scoring game than people think it is, and I think the Ram- the Cowboys will be able to keep this one close. I think they're going to attack each other in the same fashion. Um, because they're sort of built the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something you didn't mention was Tyron Smith is hurt. Um, their their number one draft pick center is hurt. So they have some guys in in the Cowboys with guys that are down on the offensive line. That is very very good for the Rams because, like you said, they have a serious interior. Mm-hmm. So I think Ezekiel might might be um, actually. Um, use the less than than what you're saying, just because you know they they might not get the yardage that they need, especially to especially to you know keep it you know third and manageable. Um, I do think Amari Cooper was a fantastic pickup for them. He's oh, yeah. really he's really um, produced for them. Three with him, in yeah. There. So I I think that's where, and I think the Rams are going to do the same thing. You know, with Gurley's a horse too. Um, you think so, Gurley's injury will affect him in this game? I don't because it's playoffs. They've had a week off. They're everybody's rested. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think I think too. I think the issue is the the Cowboys' O line and their injuries, just because they're just too stout. The Rams uh, they're still both supposed to play though at the same time. So I mean, I definitely agree with you on that. But but who's who who's more concerning? You think their in, injuries and having to deal with Donald and Sue, or you know Gurley who might be a little banged up. True. I mean, I think injuries pretty much at this point in time of the season that every team has their injuries they have to deal with. I think the Cowboys have proven that they can deal with these injuries if they've kept winning games. I mean, I definitely think it's a factor in this matchup, but at the same time, I think the Cowboys are better fit to deal with injuries than the Rams are. I personally think the Rams will win this game outright. Dak Prescott at the same time, though, and in uh, game-winning drives is the most game-winning drive since he came into the NFL among active quarterbacks in the league. So... I think the Cowboys keep this one close. I personally still think the Rams will win this one. I like the Cowboys, though, plus 7.5 in this game. A key stat for me in picking that is the Rams are 0-5-2 against teams with winning team with uh, against winning teams with teams uh, teams with winning records against the spread in their last seven games. So I think the Cowboys can cover this spread personally. I think the Rams will still win outright and win this game. I predicted earlier in the season, or before the season started, I thought the Rams would go 15-1 and this season and then lose that first playoff game. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen here, but, I mean, like you said, I think that it's going to be a hard-fought game in the trenches, and I think that's ultimately where it'll be won and lost. I just think that this Dallas defense, man, they make plays all over the field with Leighton Vander Esch and with Jalen Smith in the middle. I think these guys are I – mean, those are the linebackers I don't want to see. They can get sideline to sideline so quickly. I think they'll do a good job of containing Gurley and making it all on Jared Goff. I, I I agree, um, you know we'll see we'll see how everybody holds up. If if either team can get a running game, that's the team that that's probably going to win. If they can eat up clock and make it third and manageable, those that first and second down are, are key now in the playoffs. So if you can get five yards a clip when you're running the ball, um, both teams have a horse in the backfield. 
um, that's that's the team that's going to be able to win. Yeah, and I also think both teams need to come out of the gate hot because, like you said, running the ball is going to be key in this game. Both teams are going to try to power run the ball. So if Dallas can get up, they can run the ball and keep clock on their side. Also, the Rams, I think that might be in the back of their mind what happened last year with them in the playoffs in Atlanta if they get down. So I think that could factor in big for them. So I think the Rams need to get out hot to avoid that happening. And I also think that Dallas needs to get out hot, though, so they can try to run the clock and vice versa. Anything else you got on this one before we move? Um, other than the, the, I think the Rams have a better kicker as well. You see how, Oh, yeah, Greg the leg. Yep, I definitely think that they have an advantage there. So you see in a game like last week with Chicago and Eagles, mm-hmm. this kicker's really come in handy, um, you know, in the postseason. You see why Benatari has been paid what yeah. he's been paid his, his whole career. Yeah, I'm never opposed to paying a kicker. I would I have no problem with paying more money to a kicker than I'm paying for some other positions because, I mean, games can be won and lost by just – by centimeters when it comes to the kicking game, like just exactly like you said. So the next game we'll talk about here, obviously, is the big matchup for you. Eagles at the Saints. Saints are minus eight in this game. They're the favorites. And I'll let you start with this one. What are you thinking about this game? Um, man, I really hope my Eagles can pull this one off. <laughs> uh, it's not an easy place to win down there in New Orleans. But, you know, these last few weeks, the Saints really kind of showed, showed their ass as far as their offensive goes and kind of stalled a little bit. So if we can force, you know, Drew to make tough throws and really challenge these DBs, um, I mean, really challenge these wide receivers for the Saints, then I think we have a fighting chance just because Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and those guys have really been getting home. Um, they, they're very, very disruptive. Um, you know, if we can limit Ingram and Kamara to, to small days and can stick on to Michael Thomas, you know, I think we have a shot. Um, special teams and that kind of thing are, are going to play a big role as well. You know, I love Doug Peterson's aggressive play calling and aggressive outlook. So I, I really think we're going to take points in every which way we possibly can, just knowing that the Saints are so capable of, of putting points up on the board. We just got to get a few stops in there. And, and what the Eagles didn't do last week that they really, really needed to was capitalize on turnovers. Um, you know, we, we dropped two picks, um, two easy picks that, that we have to have. Um, you know, Drew Brees does not throw interceptions. So if we get the, the, sh- the shot to make a play, we have to capitalize because it's a possessions game with, with the Saints. And, and I really do think that this will be a totally different game than, than a few weeks ago when they absolutely dominated us. And I think Nick Foles gives us a better chance than Wentz um, just because that was probably the worst game Wentz has ever played as an Eagle against the Saints. Um, a few weeks ago. I also think Wentz has been holding on to the ball too long, which hurt them. Nick Foles is one of the, gets the ball out of his hands one of the quickest. I saw he's top four in the league of getting the ball out of his hands quicker, which is, I think, another reason why they play better. I feel like Wentz is trying to run around and do too much with the ball. Uh, the thing I think back on with this is the fact that the Eagles dom- came out, they dominated the Rams in that one game. I mean, they played the Cowboys down to the last possession recently. I feel like the Eagles have been playing their best football at the end of the season coming to the playoffs. Uh, like you said before that we started this podcast, I'm more of a numbers guy. You're all about what happens in the trenches. Numbers-wise, Philly's 30th against the pass. They just gave up 303 yards passing to Trubisky. But at the same time, I don't know if Drew Brees is as good as he has been in the past passing the ball. It seems like they lean more on the run, and the Eagles are 7th against the run. Um, the Saints do have the third highest scoring offense in the league, and they're averaging 38.2 points per game at home. That's me not counting the last game of the season since Drew Brees didn't start. 
Personally, I think eight points is too many to cover in this game. The numbers are back and forth, so I'm going to take the Eagles plus eight in this game. I think the Saints will win this one outright. But, I mean, going back to what you said, I think the key in this game to the, the Eagles is going to be if they can establish the run. We've seen the Eagles play a lot better when they can run the football. I think they need to come out and try to run the ball and just make the timely throws, use those RPOs with foals in the backs and get the ball in the hands of guys like Aguilar. I mean, we saw Golden Tate and him end up being a key acquisition for y'all because he caught the game-winning touchdown pass. Get the ball to Jeffrey, get it, get tight in, t- the tight ends and Goddard and Ertz involved early and I think the Eagles can keep this game close. The Saints defense has been hot though lately. I mean, I think I think it's going to be a tight game. I don't think you can rule out Doug Peterson and his schemes in the playoffs. I mean, he's he proved himself way too much last year. I mean, even going to Chicago and winning that game against one of the top defenses in the league. I just don't as much as that I want to say the Saints are going to come in here and win this game big, I just don't think I can say it. The Eagles, every single time we seem to count them out. I mean, I said their season was over a couple weeks ago and I was completely proven wrong. Yeah, they're a resilient bunch. Um, you know, really, it's who who can who can win the possession game, who can who can um, you know run the ball effectively mm-hmm. to make you know third downs easier, and and really who makes the less less mistakes. This comes down to this is the best football that you know is being played this year. Um, you know who who can be you know damn near perfect in their in their performance because that's what it takes now. You know in, the, in this postseason. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd love to see a uh, Eagles Chiefs Super Bowl here in Atlanta. See if Andy Reid could uh, get some revenge on his old team. Um, but we'll see. I, you know, Drew Brees and, and those Saints are, are definitely on a mission. So we'll see. Something that uh, I saw on um, the internet was Sean Payton came into the locker room with the Lombardi Trophy and two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars cash. Because that's the bonus for each mm-hmm. player for winning the, winning the Super Bowl, and and you know they're dancing and partying, and that's something that I think is really cool, you know, to come mm-hmm. in and really motivate these guys and, and get them focused. Mm-hmm. Because now this is this is money ball. This is where you know incentives are made, and and this really is you know put your name in the history book. So this is this is full on full go, and if you're not getting better each week this time in the season, you got no you got no reason to 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 be in here. Yeah, and I mean, the Saints definitely did not play as well at the end of the season, but at the same time, you could say they didn't really have as much to play for at that point. They still were able to win games. I think a lot of in the NFL is not necessarily what you win by. It's just finding a way to win and getting the job done. I mean, week to week, I mean, we saw the Steelers lose to the Raiders. You know what I mean? Like, it's not it's not easy to go in and blow these teams out. you got to just get the job done and find a way to get it done. That's what, what the NFL is all about. I just feel like it's so tough to for the Saints not to win this game at home. They've been so unbeatable at home. I mean, they lost the first week to the Buccaneers and the last week at home because they didn't start any of their starters, so I don't really consider both those games. They just look so impressive. I could see this game resembling the game when they played the Rams earlier in the season in 145-35. I could see it resembling that game. I mean, I could very well see Nick Foles, though, coming out here and throwing for 400 yards and getting the job done. So it's going to be a fun game to watch. It's going to be a good one. I think that this – I think that game is probably the game I'm looking forward to the most out of all these, just to see if they can take them down. So it's going to be fun to watch. But we'll move here now to the AFC. Two big matchups. First one we'll talk here: Colts versus Chiefs. This one has Chiefs minus five and a half. Um, I'll start. I'll start off with this one. So Andrew Luck is three and four outdoors this season, which is kind of big. But the, the Colts are on fire. They've won eight out of their last nine games. 
Chiefs are 0-6 at home in the playoffs, which is another key thing right there. They have not played well at home lately. And since week seven, the Colts have the number one scoring differential in the NFL. I think that five and a half points here is too many. I think it should be more at like three points. So I'm definitely going to take my points here. Might even buy it up to six just to be a little more safe here. But I personally think in this game, the Colts are going to be able to run the ball. I mean, the Chiefs defense is horrendous. My dad and I were both sitting there watching that Sunday night game when they played against the Seahawks. And we saw the Seahawks get a couple like third and 15s, third and like nines and I was like whose defense this look like and we both said Atlanta at the same time and I mean it's just one of those defenses man they struggle getting teams off the field obviously they've had two weeks to prepare here I think that Andy Reid's offense will be ready to go nobody's better at scripting plays in the league than Andy Reid I think this is going to be a high scoring game no matter what the weather conditions are what do you think um I I agree with with what you're saying um you know, the, the Colts' offensive line has really, really improved. Mm-hmm. Quentin Nelson is a mauler. I mean, you saw what he did against Jadavion Clowney and mm-hmm. some of those Texans guys. They put dudes on the ground. Um, so that's what it all comes down to. I think I think the, I think the advantage for me is um, luck right now in the Colts. But at the same time, how can you rule out Mahomes and exactly. that high-powered offense? Um, Colts' defense isn't anything crazy. So... It's going to be a shootout, I believe. Um, you know, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Chiefs, you know, took took the took the win just because they've been that that team all year. Yeah, I think Kansas City will win this game straight up. I think not having Kareem Hunt though will hurt them in this game. But at the same time, with Spencer Ware and uh, I think Damian Williams is his name. They've got two Williams running backs. I believe it's Damian Williams are the one they use more. I think that that'll kind of be a factor in this game. I just feel like they're the Chiefs at home, Arrowhead. I mean, that and playing at the – I can't remember the name of the Seahawks Stadium, but they call it the 12th fan. I think those are the two best home field advantages in the NFL. They've broken the record for being the loudest stadium multiple times. It's kind of a little competition between both of them. So I think that plays a big factor here is the home field advantage. I think Andrew Luck will be able to keep it close. But, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, man, he's a playmaker. He's my MVP this season. I think that he is going to pull something out here and get this get the job done here for Kansas City. I picked before the, Super, before the playoffs started the Saints to play the Chargers in the Super Bowl. I mean, I really still don't know who's going to come out of the AFC, but I like the Chiefs to advance out of this one. I just... I just feel like though the Colts, I mean, five and six points is two, five and a half, six points is way too many for them to cover. All right, let's move here to the last matchup: Chargers versus Patriots. This one has Patriots as the favorite, minus four. Who you like in this game? Um, I'm taking the Chargers just because wow. of how their defense has been playing. I think they're going to get after Tom Brady, and he's going to be uncomfortable. Um, I know it's the Patriots in the postseason, but I think mm-hmm. that ship has sailed. I don't think their team is is made. Um, you know, is made for the long run um, like it used to be. I think Tom um, is going to get exposed. Um, you know, they got your boy um, Kerwin. I mean, uh, Derwin James. Yeah, from Florida State, who, who's baby. been who's played absolutely like. Yeah, he out. was dominating at the so, beginning of that game, coming up and run support. That was huge. Him coming up and making those plays on Jackson. But, I mean, like like you said, I think the Chargers can play with them in this game. I just don't think they can win. Phillip Rivers is 0-7 against Brady, and he's um, and the Patriots are 6-1 against the spread against them. The Patriots are 7-0 coming off a bye in the playoffs, 6-1 against the spread as well right there. So I'm personally taking the Patriots minus 4. I'd say the money line is more value, though, at minus 200. I just feel like the Patriots' defense has played a lot better. If you look at... 
their last pretty much since they played the Bears and they gave up 31 points. No team has scored outside of the loss to the Dolphins has scored over, uh, has even broken 20 points against them. 17 points to the Packers is the most they've given up. I think this Patriots defense has been playing a lot better. I also think cold weather will be a big factor in this game. I think Melvin Gordon being a little banged up or really extremely banged up will be a huge factor in this game. He really hasn't looked the same since he missed time with those injuries. So I think that's gonna be a big factor. Honestly, I was very unimpressed with the Chargers in that game. I felt like Lamar Jackson and the Ravens turned, played reckless with the ball. Jackson had trouble handling snaps. The running backs fumbled. I just felt like Lamar Jackson looked like a rookie for three quarters. Then finally in the fourth quarter, I mean, you could also argue that they're playing kind of a more conservative defense and just weren't trying to get beat deep. But I just felt like that the offense wasn't that great against a good defense. I felt like the defense could have been better. I think Jackson kind of figured them out more towards the end of the game. I'm just was... I was impressed with the Chargers for two quarters, but in the second half, I was a little, I was a lot less impressed by them. I think the Patriots come out, win this game. I think the final score is somewhere like twenty-four to thirteen or something like that. I just think it's more playoff disappointment for the Chargers here. Um, yeah, I, I just, you know, I don't think that the Ravens' defense and the Patriots' defense are equal. So, you know, I think the the Ravens' defense is definitely a force, and maybe the Chargers didn't play you know, up up to their standards necessarily against them, but I also don't think the Patriots are as good as the Ravens D. So That's fair. Um, I, I think Phillip Rivers is is on his last, you know, mm-hmm. his last go around of things and really I think this team has more of the motivation. I think I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots came out and almost looked like Alabama. You know, been there, done that, yeah. kinda lack lack a little bit of, of spark. But at the same time they're playing at home in front of their home home fans. I just think that this is a pretty young, um, you know, besides Phillip, a pretty young Chargers team that's going to be here for a while. Mm-hmm. I think their coach um, has a good grip on the locker room, and I think they're, they're, coming, they're coming to work, um, you know, this weekend. So we'll see. It's playoff football. Anything goes. I think it's the team that, that can, you know, stick to their game plan, make the least amount of mistakes, and really it's who can kill themselves the least amount, you know what I mean? Everything now, yeah. this time of year, is all self, self-inflicted. self um, So whoever can whoever can be the most disciplined is, is the team that's going to, you know, get the win. Yeah, absolutely. I just feel like Bill Belichick, I mean, I think he has the clear coaching advantage here over Anthony Lynn, just the fact that he's been there, done that before, like you said. I mean, it could very well be. I mean, I think the Patriots dynasty is on its downturn. I think that it's kind of, they're in their last years. I mean, this, who knows, this could be the marking of the end of things. I still think that this is probably Brady's last really good run that he's got left in him. So I look for the Patriots just to pull this one out. I think that Belichick will get these guys ready to roll and pull it out. I don't think they're, they're necessarily a shoe in go to the Super Bowl like they have been in the past. I mean, I, I don't know if they can go into Kansas City and win. I don't know if they'll be playing the Colts. I don't know what the next matchup's going to be, but. I just like the Patriots to advance out of this one. So that's one last time for these games. My picks, this is in confidence order. My most confident pick, I have the Cowboys at plus 7.5 against the Rams. My next most confident is the Patriots' money line at minus 200 versus the Chargers. After that, I am very confident as well in the Colts' plus 6 or 5.5 versus the Chiefs. I'm not very confident in my Eagles plus eight pick. I think that that one's the most tricky game on the entire thing. I mean, the Eagles could very well win that one outright. They could get blown out. I mean, it's going to be, that game's going to be wild. So in my order, that's my most confident picks. Those are my picks for this week. So 
Go ahead and lock those in. I'm 4-0 after picking them all right last week. But let's move here now to the coach hirings. We had eight vacancies in the NFL. I believe the um, – who is it that still hasn't hired a coach? I saw today they were looking at the Rams head coach. It was uh, – got it right here. Cincinnati. Cincinnati still has yet to hire a coach. But for the most part, everyone else is. We'll start with probably the most controversial one here. That's Cliff Kingsbury leaving USC to go to the Cardinals. I mean, what do you think about this? Um, I think it's copycat league. I think uh, you know the Cardinals are looking for somebody fresh to kind of change the culture. Um, I really do think that this Cardinals team was still Bruce Arians' team. Um, I wish them the best of luck. I think it's good for the NFL, um, but we'll see what kind of you know how how this head young young head coach and GM can can build a roster. That's what it's all about is is who who can build the best roster and and get the deals that. That, that are hot and really, you know, make a team. Um, you know, I think that's the issue with Atlanta and a lot of other teams that are on the bubble too. It's all personnel. Um, and, and really we see now, you know, what I don't understand is is that all these head coaches get fired, but not a single GM gets fired. And those guys yeah. are responsible for it. So really, you know, I think it's almost at a disadvantage to be a head coach. Um, just because all that blame does get put on you, mm-hmm. even though you have people higher up that are also making these moves with you and or going against you. Um, so I think that's a, a dynamic that doesn't get talked about a lot. You know, these GMs, all, all they do is bounce around mm-hmm. um, from team to team. They, they never have a, a problem getting a job. So, you know, with stuff like that, it's, you know, We'll see. You know, I think I think you know if they can win and 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 you know get a young team that that really buys in, then I think that you know it's it's sky's the limit. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you completely with that GM thing. That was my biggest thing with the Packers is I felt like the GM gave up on the team when he traded away Ha Ha Clinton Dix, and I thought he should have been fired for that reason because I mean you're trying to make a playoff push and you can't trade probably your best secondary player away for pretty much nothing. I mean, Jair Alexander is obviously their best one, but he's a rookie, so. It's kind of different there. Going based off, though, what you said, I think that these teams are a little bit more eager to fire coaches and GMs are because they're looking to shift the blame away from themselves and on somebody else. So the coach seems like the easiest person to throw all the blame on. So I think that's why they're quicker to move away from them. Personally, I am not a fan of the Cliff Kingsbury hiring. I think that he should have stayed in college. A big point that I've heard a lot of people make is that he's fired by his alma mater in Texas Tech, and a lot of alma maters don't want to fire somebody who went there. They want to have that always seen as a good thing, like, oh, he's, you know what I mean? Like, they don't want to just walk, fire him completely. I thought he should have stayed at USC, a place where he can bring in a lot of five stars. The Pac-12 is pretty weak right now and is looking for someone to kind of claim it as master. Chip Kelly's going to try to do that. There's lots of teams. I mean, the Pac-12 is wide open. I thought he's foolish for leaving there, but I am not a believer in Kingsbury at all in Arizona. He had, he had a losing record against the Big 12's ranked teams whenever he played them. That speaks volumes to me. I mean, he only he didn't even win eight games. With, he, he was either eight or seven games with Patty Mahomes, and there's been plenty of offensive talent to come through Texas Tech in his time there. We've seen plenty of other coaches succeed there, like Mike Leach. I'm not a fan of this hiring at all. I think the Cardinals, like you said, it's a copycat league, and they're trying to copy with Sean McVay. I think they reached here and made a mistake. I ultimately think this will be the downfall of Josh Rosen's career, so did not like that one at all. The next big hiring was Bruce Arians to the Bucks. I'll start with this one. I'm a huge fan, actually, of this hiring. I hate it as an Atlanta fan, but I think the Bucks got a good guy here in Arians. I think Arians is one of the best offensive coaches of the NFL. We saw what he did with Carson Palmer and how he took that Cardinals team to the 
NFC Championship game where they got annihilated by the Panthers. But, I mean, he made Carson Palmer look like an all-pro quarterback. I mean, he completely revitalized Carson Palmer's career. And I think him and Jameis could be a great marriage here. I mean, Jameis Winston is just a gunslinger, turns the ball over too much. I think that if he's able to get Jameis to take care of the ball more, I mean, with the weapons he has, Deshaun Jackson, Mike Evans, Cameron Braid, O.J. Howard, decent offensive line. I think the Bucks team is a lot more talent than people give it credit for. And I think Arians is the kind of guy to bring discipline to them and teach them what they need. I'm a bigger fan of older head coaches who know what they're doing. And I think Arians has proven he knows what he's doing. Well, Arians has a different philosophy. Look at the difference between Arians and Cutter. Now, they're closer in age, mm-hmm. but Arians is a, is a locker room guy. Mm-hmm. So he, he knows how to deal with veterans. I think that's the biggest issue with Tampa Bay is how they're going to retain everybody because I don't think they're very happy. I know Deshaun wants out. I heard Jared McCoy probably won't be back. So really, I think not only did Arians get hired to be the head coach, but also help retain some of these guys just because he's got such a great reputation and guys will stay for for a head coach they trust and he's the type of guy that 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 you know players would do that yeah I agree completely I think Sean Jackson would be a fool to walk away right now from them I think that Bruce Arians is the kind of guy who can help him have another career year and could have we could see DJ have another big year like we've always thought that he can keep doing uh, more head coaching hiring and other coaches hirings. Obviously, I got to throw in here the Falcons hiring Dirk Cutter just because I'm a huge Falcons guy. We also brought in Mike Malarkey, another one of our old offensive coordinators, to uh, be the tight ends coach here. I thought it was a great job by the Falcons of bringing in guys that Ryan's familiar with rather than kind of putting us behind the eight ball a couple more seasons where we have somebody that Ryan is unfamiliar with. I mean, we've seen how bad Matt Ryan is with first-year coordinators, so I thought this was a really good move to bring in both these guys. I think the Falcons can do a lot better. I also love the fact that Dan Quinn is now the defensive coordinator here. I think that he's going to do a great job with the defense. I've always said DQ should be the defensive coach, so I think it's a great move. Yeah, I think it's a good move also just because it's familiar faces. Matt Ryan, it's not going to be the growing pains for the offense. Also, Mike Malarkey being there with the tight ends, I think he's going to really get the most out of uh, Austin Hooper as well, which Mm -hmm. is something we really need. We need a Zach Ertz-type tight end here in Atlanta. Um because that only takes pressure off Matt Ryan. That's that's such a solid. He's got a big body. He's a you know middle of the field type guy. So I think having Malarkey and Cutter, you know, almost co offensive coordinators, really brings a dynamic to us. Because it's really you know two guys that could be head coaches elsewhere, both on our staff. Dan Quinn with the defense. I think it's I think the uh, the distribution of responsibility and stuff is is a lot better than it was. Um, just because Sarkeesian, I felt, was coaching for his job the whole time he was here, mm-hmm. which I think doesn't help your play calling at all. You try and make too much happen. So now that you have two veteran guys that have been here in Atlanta that know the personnel, know the scheme, I think it's going to be a much more smooth ride, and we're going to see the complete team that I think we have. Um, I think I think the scheme side of it is, is what's going to come together that we'll see next year. Yeah. I agree with you completely there. You think it was stupid by the Browns to uh, not bring back Greg Williams into hire, or not to bring him back as the head coach into hire Freddie Kitchens as their head coach? I do. I think um, I think that was a mistake, just because he really got that team to rally. Um, Kitchens, I don't know much about, um, but anybody's better than Hugh Jackson. So absolutely, you know, that's all I have to say. Uh, I'm just waiting for the Cincinnati Bengals to hire him. <laughs> yeah, that, if they hired him as their head coach, I think everybody in Cincinnati would request a for the franchise well, to move. Well, or that's what I don't them. understand is how guys like that keep getting shots, and you know. Mm-hmm. 
I think more so what they try to do here is a lot of people say you need an offensive coach nowadays. I mean, Greg Williams is a defensive guy. And so I think that was more so what they were trying to do with all that. Um, so I'm just, I, I'm not exactly a huge fan of it, but at the same time, I think everything could still work out with that move. All right, so the last couple uh, hirings that we'll touch on here real quick is Matt LaFleur to the Packers. I am personally a huge fan of this hiring. A lot of people say, oh, we didn't really do anything last year with Mariota. Well, it's Marcus Mariota. I mean, Marcus Mariota is not really shown to be a great statistical quarterback. Mariota did also play better as the season went on. He was also hurt and banged up as the season went on. So I think that's big time right there. With that, I mean, if you go look at what Lafleur or Lafleur did when he was coaching Matt Ryan and Jared Goff, both of them had their next season or had their best season after working with him. So I think that's a great hiring by the Packers. The only red flag is they say he doesn't have great leadership skills. So we'll see if that factors in or not. What do you think there? Um, I don't necessarily think you have to be a super leader when you have Aaron Rodgers in your locker room. Exactly. Um, I think it's going to be more of a schematical guy. Mm-hmm. I think you're seeing now so some of these head coaches are kind of taking the pressure off themselves and, and building a staff around them. So I think that's going to be a big factor is who he brings in and what kind of staff he can build because the more help, you, the better, in my opinion, especially in the NFL. All these different perspectives and you know different ideas and philosophies I think is an advantage to a team. And I definitely think that's why we see the teams we see in the postseason mm-hmm. year in and year out. And and like I said, you know, it all starts starts from the top and trickles down. So, um, you know, I don't know tons about him, but um, you know, it's a new face. I think it's refreshing for me at least. And um, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers is 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 the goat. So, I think any any way but positive is 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 good. So. Um, we'll, we'll see how they treat this offseason and what kind of personnel um, they get. You know, this is a kind of an odd draft. You know, there's not a ton of, like, flashy talent. Mm-hmm. So this is this is definitely a year, you know, to, to get your linemen and on both sides of the ball and really create the teams. In my opinion, if I'm building a team, I build it inside out. I agree. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. I think, I think protecting Aaron – um, especially from now on and into the future, is the number one priority because, you know, he's at the latter end of his mm. career. So, the the healthier he can stay and the more protection, and you see you see that immediately with the Colts. The Colts are in the playoffs because they went and got Quentin Nelson. And those guys in the offensive line. Yeah, and I even see, said they. And had you the see the production. Draft. You see the production though from yeah. Andrew. You mm. know what I mean? He's not getting smacked. Like, like he was. And, and now when you can sit there and it's just like Tom Brady, has the reason he's had the longevity that he's had, he's got buckets on his feet. So, I mean, if you can sit there and, you know, for two seconds and dish the ball, that, that's, that's the key. So, if they can protect Aaron and, and really ramp up their defense and offensive line, man, the sky's the limit. And it doesn't matter who's got a headset on on the, on the sideline. Yeah, I agree with you there completely. I think it's going to be a good marriage, and I think we're going to see Aaron Rodgers turn back to the Aaron Rodgers we're used to rather than what we saw this season. The last two, Adam Gase to the or to the Jets, I think that's also a good pickup. I just don't think he had much to work with in Miami. I think they had all kind of given up. I mean, his quarterback was hurt all the time with Tannehill, could never stay on the field. He's an offensive coach. I just think that it was time to go, and I think the Dolphins are kind of a shit show. So I think that's a good move there for the Jets to picking him up. What do you think about that one? I, I agree. Um, you know, I think um, say that again. 
Just edit that part out. Yeah. Um, Adam Gase. I think um, you see here, you know, when I'm talking about the pecking order with, with these coaches and GMs, you know, Elway has has a way that he wants to do it. Um, so I think Gase is probably going to be somebody that will be willing to work with him. Obviously, it didn't work mm-hmm. this past year. Um but I, I think Elway is a, is a guy that and it, it might be, you know, he might have too much power in some instances. Um, but, I, you know, like I said, you got to build these, these teams inside out, and this is the draft to do it. Go get your linemen, go get your D line. Um, you know, I also heard Von Miller's not going to be back um, wow. at the Broncos. So we'll, we'll see what kind of shopping they do with him. Um, but, you know, Lots of lots of changes here in the NFL for next year. Um, a lot of new faces, and we'll really get to see you know if this if this trend in, in coaching getting younger and the culture changing in these locker rooms if if that's where the the NFL is going or not. Yeah, no, absolutely. Last topic here before I let you go, Justin. Um, Kyler Murray, big decision here for him. Should he play baseball or stick with football? What are you thinking here? Definitely baseball. I agree it's completely. Where the money is. Exactly. Way more money in that. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I just feel like football fear for him is dumb. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can make good money as being a starting quarterback in the NFL, but I just think in baseball there's so much more money, and you could make the argument that it's only the big-name players that do. Well, Kyler Murray already won a Heisman Trophy, and every single person in the nation knows who Kyler Murray is. So, I mean, if he makes it to the MLB, he's going to have that kind of draw, that kind of fan base. I think he's got to stick with baseball here as well. Anything else you want to say here before I let you go? Go Birds, baby. Hey, we'll be riding hot on them this weekend. I really hope they pull it off. I do not want to see the Saints come to Atlanta and win the Super Bowl. Once again, I appreciate everyone for tuning in and listening to this podcast. Follow me on Twitter, at Hot Takes with TP3. Let me know what y'all think. Ride these picks this week. I promise y'all will be rolling in money after the everything cashes once again, just like last week. So appreciate all y'all tuning in. We'll see y'all next time.